Welcome once again to the Blue Jackets Monday Mailbag. I know, it's not Monday, it's a special Tuesday edition of the show once again. All-Star break, I was traveling yesterday and not around, so just put it off just slightly. It's not like there's much of anything going on anyway. There really isn't much of anything going on, quite frankly, because the Blue Jackets haven't played a game since last week when they shut out St. Louis to close out their five-game road trip. They won one to nothing. They went 2-2-1 and one on the trip, and they don't play again until Saturday night, right back here at Nationwide Arena when they take on the Tampa Bay Lightning. Now, again, I'm on a tight schedule today, quite honestly. I've got uh, things to do, people to see, all that stuff. So... If you want to get on the show, and if you haven't already sent your question to me on X at Bobby Mac Sports, if you haven't done that, and if you want to come on live and you want to ask your question, all you have to do is uh, request to be a speaker. If you're on Spaces with me right now on X Spaces, request to be a speaker. I'll bring you up, and you can ask your question, and uh, we'll go from there. So, again, tight schedule, so let's get right to it. As I mentioned, the Blue Jackets have been off since last week, since they finished up in St. Louis. Not all of them have been off. Boone Jenner was not off this past weekend. In fact, he was dead on as he was in Toronto to take part in the NHL All-Star festivities and play in those three-on-three games. He was drafted by Team McDavid, so he played along with Connor McDavid, played along with his former teammate and goaltender Sergei Bobrovsky, and they did well. They got to the final game, but they lost to, surprise, Team Matthews. Austin Matthews, the Toronto Maple Leaf, playing in Toronto, got the win on home ice as uh, they took the All-Star 3-on-3 tournament. But it was, uh, you know, it was fun. I didn't see much of the skills competition, to be honest with you. I was traveling, and I didn't see Well, I saw nothing of that except for Nikita Kucherov's uh, clips on social media where uh, I guess people are still mad about that. Some people are still mad about that, but whatever. It's an all-star skills competition. If he doesn't want to win, he doesn't want to win. So be it. People say, oh, he makes a mockery out of this and that. And I love the people that say, if I was his GM, I would scratch him. Yeah, right. What a great idea. One of the top players in the league, one of the top point getters in the league, and you're a Tampa team that is trying to make the playoffs for a change this year, not a shoe-in for the playoffs, and you would take him out of your lineup because – of the effort or lack thereof he gave in the All-Star Skills Competition. Give me a break. Uh, so I didn't see much of that. Watched uh, the All-Star, the, the three-on-three games. Not all of it. In fact, some of it I saw more of the next day. than us. I'm just kind of done with the All-Star thing. You know, I'm just kind of uh, with it. Because it's just, has it lost its luster? In many ways it has. I remember when the Skills Competition used to be worth watching more than watching the game or in this case games themselves and i just i, I kind of i didn't really make sure that it was uh must see tv for me to be honest with you just kind of uh, i'll catch up with it later i can see it on instagram i can see it on x i can go back and watch it like i said the next day on nhl network it's not a big deal so is that a problem for the All-Star game? Probably. Probably. But they're not going to have one for the next couple of years now, right? Because they've announced that they're going to do the Four Nations Tournament next year. Sweden, Finland, U.S., and Canada going to play a round-robin tournament. 
And then they're going back to the Olympics, the NHL players are, the year after that in 2026. So it's not going to be an all-star game and or skills competition to worry about for the next couple of years. So I don't even need to get into breaking down what I like and what I don't like and what I think they should change. And look, here's the facts. If you take basketball, football, baseball, hockey, those four, and you look at the all-star games and you say, which one is worth watching? To me, it's baseball, and that's it. Because the other ones, well, football doesn't play a game anymore. They go to this skills competition in flag football, which is big deal, on a half field or whatever it is. That's not the game. That's not the real game. You've got basketball. The winning team is, well, both teams are scoring close to, if not over 200 points. So that's not fun to watch. That's not the real game. Hockey, you're playing three on three now. That's, you know, but it's it's uh, it's putting a spin on trying to find something that works because the five on five, remember the last five on five game was here at Nationwide Arena. And what was the final of that? 12 to 11 or something? It was ridiculous. It's not the real game. Baseball is the only one where the real game is actually represented in the All-Star game. That's a fact. So that's the only one to me that I even get excited about watching anymore. And I mean, baseball's got it down to a science. Home run derby, which depending upon the year and depending upon the rules, you know, they have to tweak it because it'll lose its luster. No doubt about that. But they do the home run derby and then they do the all-star game and then they're done. And everybody plays in the all-star game. You change your pitchers every inning and all that stuff. But it, but it's still the game. Still the game. So anyway. Let me get back to Boone Jenner, because for him, it was a great life experience. Here's a guy that's played 11 years in the National Hockey League. He has been a blood, sweat, and tears guy. He has done whatever he's been asked to do by this organization, and he has done it extremely well, and he finally got the chance to participate in All-Star Weekend, and I couldn't be more happy for him. He had two goals in two games. As I said, he was playing with some of the best and most talented players on the planet, and looked like he had an absolutely great time in doing so. So good for Boone. I'm very, very happy that he got the opportunity to take part in that because a player of his type normally doesn't get invited to those kind of events. Boone Jenner is a grinder. You know that. Boone Jenner gets most of his goals from three feet out, three to five feet out. That's what he does most times. But he just happened to have, what, 12 when the selections were being made. He was leading the Blue Jackets at the time. He was the only guy that was finding the back of the net with any consistency on this team. And he got the opportunity to go. Toronto's about an hour away from where he grew up. A lot of friends, a lot of family were able to come in for him. It was absolutely perfect, and I'm so glad that he got that opportunity. I think that more players like that should get the opportunity to partake in those type of events. They really should because they're giving everything they have night in and night out. And the rewards for it, well, there are rewards, but they're not big stage rewards like that one was. So I was glad that Boone had a a good weekend. I, I was glad to see him score in those games. And, you know, again, for him and for his representation of the Blue Jackets, that was fantastic. So the All-Star game ends. Some of the teams are back in action now because, you know, some took their break before the All-Star game. And now other teams like the Blue Jackets are on their break after the All-Star festivities. Blue Jackets return to play Saturday night right here 
at Nationwide Arena against the Tampa Bay Lightning. And then they're going to be gone again up to Ottawa for a game and then out to California for three. So the home games are, uh, well, they're, there's not very many, there's not very many of them here in these last couple of weeks. So it's uh, you have a chance to come out and see them on Saturday. You better come out and see them on Saturday. So again, if you want to be a part of the show today, two ways to do it. Number one, if you're on X Spaces and you want to ask your question live, request to be a speaker, and I'll bring you up. Otherwise, if you've already sent a question on X, I will answer that question and I'll tell you somebody that has done that already and that is ryan lore and here is ryan's question he says do you believe that pascal vincent is the right coach for this team long term and deserves to get another year in his role whether yarmo is the general manager or not i don't like this coaching carousel trend in the nhl and only giving a coach a single year to build a winning team and a winning culture i think pascal vincent is the right coach for this team at this time now long term this is a tough question because he could be however facts are facts he could be and i think he will be as long as everything stays intact here but if something goes awry and if you wind up making a change of your management team then here are the facts the facts are that General managers tend to hire their own coaches. Now, it's not always the case. If you recall, when the Blue Jackets let go Scott Housen, Todd Richards was the head coach. Remember, John Davidson came in as the president of hockey operations, decided to replace Scott Housen with Yarmo Kekalainen. They did not remove Todd Richards from the role of head coach of the team. They kept him there. And they kept him there until they felt that they couldn't keep him there anymore. He got off to that slow start the next year. It was, again, it it fell into a pattern because the team notoriously was slow starting. And especially with him, I shouldn't say especially, even with him as the head coach, that's a better way to put it. They were slow starting. They couldn't afford to have a slow start that year. But they did. And what were they, 0-7? And then the coaching change was made, and John Tortorella came in, lost his first game, and then they kind of got on track. And But by then, they were so far behind the eight ball that it was too late for them. But anyway, um, so that's why that makes this a tough question to answer. It would depend upon, if you make a change, who comes in to replace Yarmo as a general manager. Because that guy... You know, maybe he interviews Pascal Vincent. He says, look, the guy's still got time on his contract. I like him. I think he's done a good job. I'm going to leave him there and, and see what happens with this. And somebody very well could do that because, yeah, the coaching ca- uh, carousel, once you start to establish something, uh, sometimes you don't want to break it up. Even if it's not, quote, unquote, your guy, if you talk to the guy and you think you can work with him and you think he's doing a good job at what he's doing, then you just go and roll with it until it's not working. And then you got to go back to the carousel. So I I don't know. I think he's right for this team right now. Do I think he's right long-term? He's right long-term regardless of the other situation. If the players continue to buy in to what he is preaching, if they continue to work the way they've been working here over the, the last couple of months, and again, I'm talking work. I'm not talking results here because they haven't always gotten the results for the work that they've put in. So, if they're continuing to work, if things are coming together, if you're starting to see uh, 
some things that are going to be good for the future, then I could very well see him keeping that job. But it's to me, it's just not as cut and dry as uh, does he deserve to keep the job no matter who his boss is, because that's not the way it works. He may deserve to keep it, but he may not keep it because his boss has somebody else that he would rather work with and thinks that he would do a better job or they're more on the same page or, or however you want to put it. I don't care how you put it, put it however you want. But um, that's the answer to the question. But I think he's good for this team right now. I think he's, uh, you know, he's done some good things here. I think he'll do a lot more good things. But we shall uh, we shall see. But right now, he's the coach, and Yarmo Kekalainen is the general manager, and that's the way it is and until it's not. So that's, I don't know, that's uh, a week from now, months from now, years from now, who knows. So that's the way it is, and that's the way we'll roll. Stanley says, just curious, uh, this is talking, I should preface this here because I'm really going to shift gears on this one. Uh, there was talk, there has been talk about expansion in the National Hockey League. Uh, the owner of the Utah Jazz has petitioned the NHL wanting an expansion team. Now, the NHL will tell you, and Gary Bettman did say at the uh, at his State of the Union at All-Star Weekend, he did say that expansion is not what we're talking about right now. But they will. There's no doubt they will because they got $500 million for the Vegas franchise. They got $600 million for the Seattle franchise. And there's talks that the next franchise or franchises could be $1 billion or more just for the entry fee to get into the league. Why would you turn that down? Now, I understand you're going to say, possibly you're going to say, well, it's going to get too diluted and the talent level is not going to be there and all that stuff. And I'm going to tell you, for a billion or $2 billion, people will live with it. Simple as that. And... That, that's the way it'll be. So I wanted to get that out there as the background before I get to Stanley's question, because his question is just curious. Why are they talking about Atlanta after two failures uh, and not Cleveland who already has an arena and leads the American hockey league in attendance year after year? Why Atlanta and not Cleveland? Well, I'll tell you the first thing. And you know, when the commissioner was talking about expansion, he said, we'll listen to anybody who wants to talk about it. Not that we're going to do it, but we'll listen to anybody. And he started throwing out a list of cities. And he said Cincinnati, which in these parts caused a firestorm where people all of a sudden went to social media and there was the argument of why or why not there should be a team in Cincinnati. First of all, I'll tell you the why not, and I'll tell you why it wouldn't happen. Cincinnati is an hour and a half from Columbus. Do you really think that the league would put two teams that close in proximity? Here are the Toronto Maple Leafs doing whatever they can to block another team in the greater Toronto area, which is far, far more populated than this area. They're blocking the heck out of that. Do you, do you think the Blue Jackets would be happy to have a next-door neighbor right 90 miles away? No. And would that be good for the league? No. 
because you're talking about the advertising uh, revenues and TV markets and all that stuff, it's just, eh. Plus, Cincinnati doesn't even have a building. They would have to build a new arena before you could even have that conversation. Then they have to have somebody that wants to shell out a billion dollars. I saw somewhere where the, the mayor was asked, the mayor of Cincinnati was asking, because I don't know what you're talking about. I never said it. I never heard anything about this. Am I saying Cincinnati's a bad hockey market? No, I'm not saying that at all. I'm just saying that the way teams are strategically placed, they're trying to make sure they're not interfering with each other's markets. So Cleveland would be the same thing. Cleveland is two hours away. It would be the, the same problem as a Cincinnati team. So, Stanley, that's why Cleveland. And, you know, leading the American Hockey League in attendance, that's great. Don't forget that team is also owned by the Cavaliers, and they can do combo ticketing packages. and all. There's all kinds of things that they can do to make sure they get people into that building. Um, and, <laughs> and doing that at the American League level is much different than doing that at the National Hockey League level. I mean, if you have to do an $85 million payroll, well, you know, that, that's different from the American Hockey League where you have no payroll, basically. So anyway, it, the distance is number one. Now to Atlanta. Why Atlanta? Very good question. You know, they had the Flames. That didn't work out. They moved that franchise to Calgary. They had the expansion Atlanta Thrashers. That didn't work out. They went to Winnipeg to become the Jets. So why Atlanta? Well, it comes with a caveat. It would be a new building, and it wouldn't be in downtown Atlanta because I think the league still sees it as a good and viable hockey market, and I think it is. I, there's so many more kids playing hockey in the South. You know, Andrew Peake is one of those guys. He's a Florida kid. You know, if you're in Florida and you want to get uh, good competition, where do you have to go when you're playing youth hockey? Well, I, I know there are there are kids that live in Florida that play on Nashville travel teams and they basically just come up for the weekend to do the travel. They don't practice there. They practice on their own and then they have to come up and um, you know, because there's, because there's that gap right between Nashville, Carolina, and then there's an empty area until you get to Tampa and Florida. So they still see that as a viable market with a lot of hockey people there. It's, it's also a transient market. There are a lot of people that move into the Atlanta area. But the most important thing is this new arena would not be downtown because downtown Atlanta has proved to be just not the place that you want to have your sporting facilities. I know that the Hawks still play downtown in the arena where the Thrashers were. I, I get it. I understand that. But the Braves have moved out of there. Major League Baseball has moved out of downtown Atlanta. And what did they do? They went outside the city. They created basically an entire city, well, not a, not a city, but they an area, an entertainment district, and the centerpiece is the Braves Stadium, and it's worked, and it's worked well, and the Braves have been winning, so that makes it work even better, okay? I get all that, but I think the league feels that if you get a building outside of downtown that people can get to, it's a very populated area, and it's a good TV market, so... That's why Atlanta is being talked about over some other areas. I know the people in, well, I was going to say the people in Quebec City, but more specifically, the people in Canada have a 
fit every time something like that comes up. What about Quebec City? Why not Quebec City? Why can't the Nordiques come back? I don't know. Do they have uh, Do they have uh, enough? Um, is their corporate business structure enough to support a team in today's National Hockey League? I think Winnipeg's right on the cusp. So is is Quebec City? I don't know. Is Atlanta? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, we're talking about a much bigger area. All right, let's see. John Young. John has sent me this question on X. And he says, um, I'm curious when we might start seeing either extensions or moves on the players who are up for contracts this year. Should we expect that in the summer or around the trade deadline? Uh, well, that depends on what you're talking about. I think a guy like Kent Johnson, whose entry-level contract is up, and Cole Sillinger, whose entry-level contract is up, I think that'll be in the summer. If you're talking about a guy like Jack Roslovic, whose contract is up, um, I think that'll be around the trade deadline. And whereas I believe the Blue Jackets will continue to shop Jack Roslovic, not talk contract extension with him at that point in time, I think they'll look to shop him. So, Because they've there's been... Talk that they have been trying to shop him. So it depends on the player. But I think the young players, and of course that'll be talking about, are we going to go with a bridge deal or are you going to go with a long-term deal and guaranteed money for, you know, six, seven, eight years right off the bat? Um, Those kind of deals, that's going to be a summertime thing until you start to get everything in order. So I I don't expect uh, John to see anything on that anytime soon. Uh, Peter Claven says, let's say the best players available to us are all tied skill-wise. And I'm assuming that Peter is talking about the draft. Okay? Let's assume all the best players available are tied skill-wise. What position do you think is most needed in the prospect pool? Center, left wing, right wing, left defense, right defense, or goaltender? Center, Always first and foremost. Always first and foremost. Because this team still lacks at that position. And a center can play the wing. We're seeing it with Adam Fantilli. He's a center. They moved him back to wing. Take some of the defensive responsibility off his shoulders. So, take the center. Always take the center. Because he can play any of the forward positions. Okay? After center, to me, goaltending. Because where are you with your goaltending right now? Oh, Elvis is coming off a shutout. That's great. Uh, Tarasov was playing a lot. Now he's, well, he played two times on that trip. But they still aren't 100% sure what they have there with him, if he's going to be able to stay healthy and if he's going to be able to handle it day in and day out, all that stuff. So you've got that situation. That's why, to me, goaltending comes number two. When you look at what's in the pipeline, again, I'm not sure what's really in the pipeline. So if everybody was tied skill-wise, I would take the center because he can play any of the positions. He can go to the wing if you need him to go to the wing. And then I would look at goaltending. Why would I put the goaltending first? Well, because you can usually find some goaltenders floating around. You can find the Martin Jones. You can find the Yaroslav Halaks. You can find the guys that can be backups, or they can be, I mean, they can be starters. 
If you're in a pinch and you need uh, Cam Talbot, here's a guy. He, he keeps bouncing around and starting with all these different teams. He was just at All-Star Weekend. You know, he's he's not a draft and develop guy anymore. He's a sign and play guy now. So you, you can you can find those guys. You, you still need prospects. Don't get me wrong. The best, at every position, the best thing to do is to draft and develop. And I think especially goaltending because if you want to have an elite guy and you want to not, you know, like the Florida Panthers went out and got an elite guy by signing Sergei Bobrovsky away from the Blue Jackets. It cost him $10 million a year. That's not ideally the way you want to do it. You want to develop your own guy. You want to keep your costs down for as long as you can. And then when it's time to pay him, you're either going to pay him that chunk of change or you're going to let somebody else pay him and you're going to start over with your, your next go-around. So you, you can always, I think you always have that, that opportunity with goaltenders. You can, you, can always, you can always find something when you need something. But center, for sure, 100%. The center position is the most important position. You know, the way it is right now, and I mean like last game, you've got uh, what Jenner playing in the middle and Sillinger, Voronkov, and Corrali. Okay? You got those four guys. Fantilli, as I mentioned, was playing on the wing, and Fantilli, of course, now is out for eight weeks, which I think I told you last week that good news, uh, it seemed like the worst was going to be avoided. Well, bad news. Upon further review, once you get home and, and the uh, team doctors take a look at them, uh, it is eight weeks. So it, it wasn't the best-case scenario. It turns out to be one of the worst-case scenarios for Adam Fantilli and the Blue Jackets. And that's disappointing because I had somebody ask me this morning. I was doing an interview, and they said, okay, with the games that are left coming out of the All-Star break, what do you want to see? What do you need to see from this team? And I said, well, you need to see the young players continue to develop and finish strong so that they can come into training camp next year and pick up where they left off this year and just continue to get better. And for Kent Johnson, you definitely need that to happen. For Cole Sillinger, you need to keep him going on the run that he's been on here throughout this season where he's had a great bounce back season and he is, um, you know, he's been more like the player that he was in his rookie year. Not when it comes to the goal totals, and I get that, but the the all-around game is now coming into shape for Cole Sillinger. So he has to continue on that trend and do that. Um, so you need to see that out of those players. Adam Fantilli now is going to be robbed of two months because of, a again, an unfortunate injury, something that you cannot avoid. He's not trying to get stepped on. Jared McCann is not trying to step on his calf. Uh, it just happens. Wrong place, wrong time, and it happens. So by the time that Fantilli is healthy and able to come back, you know, projecting maybe like uh, 10 games left in the season. And that's unfortunate because he, I know he wanted to take a run at the Calder Trophy as the Rookie of the Year. Why wouldn't you? Um, he wanted to continue to get better. I'm sure he wanted to get back to that center position and prove that he could play that before the year was over. And now that none of those things may happen because he's going to miss so much time. So it's really, really unfortunate, and and he could have used that time. It's time you don't get back, obviously, but that's the bad news. The good news is he's going to be okay, and it wasn't an Achilles injury. If it was, then we'd really be talking about something that, that none, none of us want to talk about. That would be really bad. So he avoided that. 
if you want to look at the bright side, he avoided that. It's only going to be eight weeks. It's not going to be months. I mean, you look at uh, Max Pacioretty and his uh, Achilles. Now, I, I, he's an older guy, but still, we're talking about Achilles tendons. That, that's not that's not cool. You don't just bounce back from that in six, eight weeks. So the be- it was the best case of a terrible scenario for Adam Fantilli. But these young players have to continue to develop. And I would think along the way, there are going to be players that are in Cleveland that are going to continue to get uh, a look. They're going to come back up here, and they're, they're going to get a chance to get some games and, and see what they can do. And they've got to take full advantage of it. You know, you, you got a guy like uh, Trey fix He just played in the American Hockey League All-Star game. So did Jet Greaves, and so did Jake Christensen. Those guys, that, that's three great examples. Now, for fix here's a guy that seems like he's stuck in the middle between the American Hockey League, where he's a great player, top-line minutes, top power play, really produces. Comes to the National Hockey League, those minutes aren't there. He has to play a different role. He's got to play a bottom six role, and he just doesn't play it as well. So he's kind of stuck between the American Hockey League and the National Hockey League. So what do you do there? You either bring him up and you give him top-line minutes to see if he can do the same things in the NHL, or maybe he has to find a team where they have those minutes to give. This one doesn't. just doesn't. You know, you've got your... Johnny Gaudreau's and your Adam Vantilli's and your Kirill Marchenko's and your Igor Chinikov's and you've got guys. There's only four top six positions on the wing, right? Top two lines. There's only four guys on the wing on those top two lines. So guy like him, where does he stand? Jake Christensen. Jake Christensen may have played his best NHL game right before he got sent back down to Cleveland. Where does he stand? Left shot defenseman. Okay, where are you at on the left side in the National Hockey League? Well, you've got um, Zach Wierenski, not bumping him off. You've got Ivan Provorov. Well, he's been talked about in trade rumors. You've got Jake Bean, who is up and down. Is there opportunity there? Yeah, it looks like there could be opportunity there. Stanislav Svozil, same situation. Is there opportunity there? Will he get one before the year's over? Very well could might get to come up and and show his game. You know, he got a chance to play here last year, briefly. Might get a chance to come up and show his game. Uh, You know, who else? I don't know. I don't know. Maybe maybe guys get a chance to come up and get a game here and there, depending upon the situation and injuries and what happens after the trade deadline and all of that. But it's really, to me, it's about the young players developing. That's the first and foremost thing that I want to see. The second thing is... I think it's very important for this team to continue to have um, continue to show the consistency. And, and, and you might say, well, how consistent are they? Well, a lot more now than they were early in the year. They have to keep building, not the camaraderie, that's not the word I'm looking for, but they, you've got to keep getting better within the system and playing the same way night in and night out and with the same effort night in and night out as a group. So I think if they can do those two things and finish the season strong, and again, I don't know how many wins that translates into, and I don't even know how many wins you want to get right now, quite frankly, because you know you're not in the playoffs, 
So where do you want to pick? Do you want to make this grandiose run just to say we're getting better? If it happens, it happens. I, I don't think they're going to, you know, tank or pull the shoot or anything like that to to try to make sure that they're drafting in the top five. I, I don't think they're going to do that. But even as they play well, are they going to, you know, are they going to go on some kind of a, a streak? When you look at the schedule, the schedule's borderline brutal the rest of the way. Uh, you're playing a lot of teams that are either in the playoffs and trying to stay there or are going to be pushing hard for a playoff spot. So it is, um, you know, it's not going to be easy when it comes to that. But I just want to see them continue to, as they say, play the right way and give themselves a chance. Give yourself a chance night in and night out. You know, at this point, if you lose an entertaining game, okay, fine. If you win a boring game, okay, fine. The St. Louis game was boring. It really was. Great defense, great goaltending. Okay, yeah, it was. It was also a boring game. But you can live with that when you're winning the boring games. Losing the boring games, eh, not so much. So that's where this team needs to be between here and the end of the year, in my opinion. And I hope they continue to go there. Be back on the ice on Saturday. Uh, They come back and have practice on, what, Thursday? The Cannonball, biggest fundraiser for the uh, Blue Jackets Foundation, will be held on Thursday night. And then practice Friday, game on Saturday. And as I said, then next week, head up to Ottawa for one game, come back home, get ready to board the plane the next day, and head out to San Jose, Los Angeles, and Anaheim. So that's what is on the horizon for the Blue Jackets. Once again, if you want to be uh, on the show, I've got a couple more minutes here, so if you want to be on the show and if you're with me live on X Spaces, you can request to be a speaker. And I will bring you on the show. Donald has just done that, so let's bring Donald aboard. Hi, Donald. Hey, Bob. How you doing? Good. How are you? Not too bad. It's good to get back on here after a while. Yeah, I'm sure you've seen all the chatter with uh, trading uh, folks, specifically uh, Boone Jenner. And I know that he's our guy, and I know that the price tag would be high, but just wanted to get your thoughts on that. A lot of people could really use his help in the playoffs, that's for sure. Yeah, they sure could. I think Sean Corrales another guy. Um, I know Larry Brooks wrote a column last week when he was saying that the New York Rangers should not be going after Elias Lindholm from Calgary, which he is now a member of the Vancouver Canucks. He also said that Montreal probably wouldn't send Sean Monahan to the Rangers because of the fractured relationship between the two organizations, and Monahan winds up in Winnipeg as a member of the Jets. And Larry Brooks said that if he were the Rangers, he would look to Columbus, not for Jack Roslovic, but for Sean Corrale, because they're looking for a third-line center. And uh, I could see that being, um, I mean, it would be a good fit. I mean, he, he's that kind of a player, and I think he's a playoff player. And Boone Jenner fits the same mold. Look, it comes down to this, Donald. Uh, you've got to figure out a couple of things. Number one, is Boone Jenner a part of your plans when you are ready to be in the playoffs and go deep and win it? Yes or no? If the answer is yes, you keep him here, he plays out uh, the contract, you give him a new one, and you go from there. If the answer is no or probably not, then you have to start listening, whether it be this trade deadline or in the summer or next trade deadline. Um, he's very valuable, very, very valuable. And, uh, yeah, again, like I said, you have to decide. If he's not going to be a part of it, then my question 
would be, what are you going to give me for them? And if the package is, if it's too good to walk away from, you have to consider it for sure. Yeah. I think even if you think he is part of the plan, I think, I, I would think it'd be in our best interest to at least listen to see yeah. what that return would be. Yeah. You know, if it's it's almost, sac- almost sacrilegious to say, but I agree with you. Yeah. We, we all love Boone and I would yeah. never wish him away for anything, but we are still developing and trying to build for the future. So, yeah. And as I was talking about earlier, you know, what a experience it was for him to go to all-star weekend. How about giving him a chance to win it? Right. I mean, same Absolutely. thing. We would all root for him if he had a chance to win it um, until he's in the playoffs playing against the blue jackets, then we'd all root against him. Simple as that. But yeah, no doubt. yeah, it sounds crazy, but I, I think you're right. I think you have to consider it. Thank you, Donald. Appreciate you being on the show. Uh, before I got to roll out of here, let's uh, go back to X spaces and uh, bring Lester aboard here today. Lester, welcome to the show. Hello, Bob. Hey. Uh, about the uh, Western Canada trip they just had, you know, if you took out three periods from that, and maybe you already said this, so I apologize. If you take out the third period in Vancouver, the third period in Edmonton, and the first period in Seattle. They got outscored 3 nothing in all three of those periods. They were fantastic the other 12 periods. They outscored the opposition 13-5, to looked pretty good doing it. But the big problem they've had all year is they get hung up in their defensive zone. They can't get out. And I've had many a night there at the arena where I've looked up at the scoreboard and I'll see the zone time for the other team, minute and five, minute and 30, minute and 40, and – yeah, the longer you get trapped in there, uh, the chances are there's going to be a mistake or a breakdown and the puck's going to wind up at the back of the net. And that's been something they've had a hard time getting around. And I, I think about what Tortorella used to say when he used to say the game is all about puck possession, and he was 100% right. The best defense you can play is when the puck's on the end of your stick because then the other team doesn't have it. And they've had this period come up on them all year long where all of a sudden they kind of lose momentum. They can't get out of the defensive zone and then they just start hemorrhaging goals. I, I thought the worst game they played all year was the game they played with the Islanders. They're ahead two to one, five minutes left in the second period. And over the course of the next 17 minutes overlapping the second and third periods, they give up seven goals. So, you know, I think it's a matter of just the little things getting better better on forecheck, better on backcheck, better on getting it to loose pucks, winning the puck battles along the wall, winning the face-offs. I think as you see their own time, offensive time possession go up, I, I think the, the, the script starts to flip, and I think we start to see a totally different team. Maybe I'm a bit naive, but I, I do think that's where it is. Uh, no, I agree with you on that. I, I don't disagree at all. Yeah, yeah that road trip, it's – yeah you know, if this and if that, and people say, yeah, well, if, but it didn't happen. True. But they did only play three bad periods. The third period in Edmonton, the first two periods in Seattle. Outside of that, they played the way you were talking about, and they were, you know, in games. And, you know, the Vancouver one doesn't sit very well with you, but they still got a point out of the game. So I agree with you. I think you're right. I've noticed I think I feel a lot of good progress during the course of the year. I mean, this is still a rebuild, and you talk about maybe trading players. I, I, this year's draft is said to be pretty sparse. It's not a real good one. And so if you're moving guys this year, especially if you're looking for, you know, draft picks, it, it might not have the return that maybe you would get next year or the year after. I probably wouldn't move Jenner this year if it came down to something like that. I'd probably sit on another year because he's got two years left on his deal. You know, so 
I, I don't really, sometimes people tend to get into knee jerk reactions or they just look at a tree and they don't look at the whole, uh, the whole landscape, if you know what I mean. I do. But that being said, if you could get somebody to overpay because he's got that extra year at a very reasonable salary, uh, you know, you might end up, you could potentially end up getting a better package because of that. Uh, I agree with you. I, I don't know if anybody's going to come along and bowl us over, but uh, it would it would come along. You know, I would look for some good young players or maybe some guys that they've already drafted. Like I said, I'm a little bit leery of this year's draft. I don't know that beyond maybe the top eight or ten guys, if there's a lot of really good value in it. Although I feel our organization has been very good about getting value and finding it up and down the draft. Yeah, I get tired of hearing they'll criticize Yarmo and everything, and, and they act like the guy doesn't know what he's doing. But yeah, time and time again, I watch him. He, I, I, they know what they're doing. It's just a matter of getting this thing all to come together. Like I was thinking the other day, they traded David Savard. This is crazy. Now you think about this. They traded David Savard to Tampa. They got a first and then a third the following year. And then they traded Riley Nash, who was injured, to Toronto. And the deal was, if he played in at least 25% of their playoff games, they got a sixth-round draft pick. Well, Riley Nash rounds up playing in two of seven playoff games. That's 28%, so they get the sixth-round draft pick. So what they wind up doing is they take that one from the Savard and the six from Toronto, and they package it with Chicago to convince them to give up the number 12 overall, and they get Cole Sillinger. And then, oh, by the way, that number three that they got from Tampa, which was the next year, they used that to draft Jordan Dumai. So it isn't like we got a bunch of stupid people here. It's just a matter of the young players becoming more consistent and this group just playing together as a whole. And, and like I've said, I've seen that coming. I've seen that happening. We're, we're still going to have our warts as this year goes on. But in the overall, I feel good about the direction that the organization's headed. I'm, I might be the only one, but I do. No, and I agree with you, and thank you, Lester. Great to have you on, as always. But uh, I, I agree with that, and, and that's why, you know, even uh, some people say, well, if they make a change with the management, that's going to set you back another three years. I don't think so, for that very reason. I, I think that there are things in the cupboard here, and I think it was the same way when this management group took over for the last one, and they were able to get into the playoffs with the assets that were basically there from the last management group so um look i'm not advocating for a change of it or anything like that whatever happens happens but i agree with lester uh, it's been a slow process everybody wants it to be a quicker process it's not going to be quicker it just it uh the old saying it is what it is they are heading in the right direction it uh rebuilds take time nobody's wanted to say that word they want to retool and they want to re whatever but it's 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 going to take time, and it's taken some, and it's going to take a little bit more, but at least it is headed in the right direction. All right, thanks for being a part of today's Tuesday edition, the special Tuesday edition of the Blue Jackets Monday Mailbag. Blue Jackets are back on the ice on Saturday against the Tampa Bay Lightning at Nationwide Arena. That's a game that gets underway at 7 o'clock, and then, as I mentioned, another long road trip coming up, so one chance to see the Blue Jackets here, and it has been sparse in the last couple of weeks. Hope you'll come out and see us. Thanks for all your questions, whether you've sent them to me on X or whether you were live with me on X Spaces. Until Saturday night when the Blue Jackets take on the Tampa Bay Lightning, I'm Bob McElligot. Thanks for listening and so long.